Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If it sounds like Jesus is repeating himself in our gospel reading today, it's because he actually is. This is the second of three times in Mark's gospel that Jesus will predict his passion. And it's the second of three times in Mark's gospel that the disciples will hear it and they won't understand it. When I was in seminary, one of the uh, tools we were taught to use when reading and interpreting scripture was to look for things like repetition. If something was repeated, we were told, then it must be important. Seems obvious, right? We repeat the things we want to make sure people hear or understand. We repeat the things we want pe- to make sure that people hear or understand. And uh, while this seems like a simple tool to a first-year seminary student, it was sort of like a, a, a life uh, a preserver to hang on to, to begin to feel like maybe, just maybe, I could begin to figure some of this biblical interpretation out. Three times in three chapters, Jesus tells his disciples that he, the Son of Man, will be betrayed and killed, and three days later will be raised. We read Jesus' first passion prediction this past Sunday, for which Jesus earned the rebuke of Peter, for which then Jesus in turn rebuked Peter and told him that he was setting his mind not on divine things, but on human things. In today's reading, Jesus and the disciples were passing through Galilee, and Jesus seems to casually mention once again, that he must die, so that three days later he may be raised from the dead. This time it isn't Peter who gets singled out for his lack of understanding. In fact, none of the disciples individually get singled out, but we read that none of them understood what Jesus was talking about. And all of them were afraid to raise their hand and ask a question. Just see what happened when Peter spoke up? Not going to be me this time. Can you imagine? This is a pivotal moment in Jesus' life and ministry, and those who were closest to him didn't understand what was going to happen. But Jesus doesn't abandon them, nor does Jesus abandon us. No, Jesus will repeat himself again in chapter 10 with his third passion prediction, and he will do his best to prepare his disciples and us for his pending crucifixion and resurrection. For that is what the season of Lent is. It is a time of preparation, of instruction, of reflection in order that we too might move through our fear through our uncertainty, through our tendency to focus on the human instead of the divine as we make our way to Jerusalem. Apparently, while the disciples were too afraid to ask Jesus questions about his second passion prediction, they decided to talk amongst themselves or actually argue amongst themselves. We read that when they got to Capernaum, Jesus asked them what they were talking about, and they were arguing about which one of them is the greatest. Seems ironic. They were afraid to raise their hand and ask a question of Jesus, and then like 
toddlers in the back of the car start arguing amongst themselves about which one of them is the greatest. Talk about setting their minds on human things. So Jesus explains to them that whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. My friends, this also doesn't make sense. It wouldn't have made sense to the disciples any more than it makes sense to us today from our human perspective. But it does make sense coming from the Messiah who came to conquer the power of sin and death, not by military conflict or cosmic battle, but by allowing himself to be betrayed and tortured and killed by his enemies. Only someone who would predict and allow himself to be killed could suggest that in order to be first or greatest, you actually must be last of all and servant of all. You see, it can be a bit terrifying to think that our human understanding of things does not necessarily align with God's plans. God's up here, folks, and I got news for you. Most of us, probably all of us, are down here. God's thinking of divine things, and we're thinking of human things, just like the disciples. So what bridges that gap? What brings us closer to God, more like Jesus? It is faith. Faith. A belief in something or someone that we cannot fully understand. Who does and says things that don't make sense. At least not from our worldly logical perspective. If you want to be first, you must be last. How would that even work? Can somebody explain that to me? The reality is we can't, at least not from our human understanding. But in God's economy, in God's way of thinking, in God's divine perspective, it makes sense. So we must put our logic aside and become like those children that Jesus welcomed. For faith is trust. Trust, not in the things that we can scientifically explain, like why a sandwich that somebody else has made actually tastes better than the sandwich we've made for ourselves, not to beat an analogy to death, (laughs) but to trust in the things that have no explanation. That is what Jesus is seeking from his disciples and from us. If we could If we continue to only interpret scripture and the words of Jesus from our human understanding, my friends, we will miss the miraculous gift of God's love that is being offered to us. It's interesting to me that today is Valentine's Day. I don't know if you heard. A day where love, true love, takes center stage. And when talking about love between two people, we often use emotional, non-scientific language to explain what love is. It's a feeling. It's a connection. It it is otherworldly. It defies logic. And today we celebrate that feeling. That feeling that causes us to do things that aren't rational or practical or self-serving. Love prompts us to do things for others that we would never do 
for ourselves. I think the same can be said of faith. It can be explained with emotional, non-scientific language. It's a feeling. It's a connection. It is otherworldly. Faith defies logic. And it causes us to do things that aren't rational or practical or self-serving. Faith prompts us to do things for others that we would never do for ourselves. So rather than focusing upon how the Messiah had to die in order that we might live, rather than focusing, questioning how the greatest must be last of all and servant of all, we are to have faith. Excuse me. Faith. Faith in the one who loved us enough to give his life for us. Faith in the one who welcomed those children, not because they understood what he was saying. No, but because they trusted Jesus. They loved him and he loved them. Today we begin our journey with Jesus and the disciples, a journey to Jerusalem, a journey to the crucifixion. And as we make our way through Lent, we'll be focusing upon what it means to be a servant of all. We will look at Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, emptied himself, emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. We will see how Jesus gave his disciples and us a new commandment, that we are to love one another as he loved us. This teaching is not only a challenge for us to understand from our human perspective, but it is even more difficult to do. To love and serve as we have been loved and served by Jesus sounds impossible. And perhaps it is from our human perspective, but not from God's divine perspective. So we begin this season with this time of confession, with a declaration of our fear of what Jesus has said, as well as our intention to live a new life in Christ, serving as he served, loving as he loved, Again, not because it makes sense from our human perspective, but because it is the divine perspective. Amen.